Erev Shabbos, Parshas Chukas, candle lighting time at 8.11 on this Erev Shabbos, 8.11. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are this time each and every Friday. Every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Chukas. Parshas Chukas, according to the Chinuch, contains three mitzvos. And these mitzvos are, one, the mitzvah of Torah Aduma, namely that when one becomes Tomei, ritually impure, by having come in contact with a dead body or under the roof of a dead body, together with, they have to have the ashes of the red cow and water from a spring mixed together and sprinkled on that person. The second mitzvah is the law of the procedure, seven days, is the person to be in a state of tumor or, more specifically, over a seven-day period, the impurity can be rectified by the sprinkling on day three and day seven. And finally, what makes the paraduma, the quintessential chok, the law without our understanding, is the fact that the one who does the sprinkling, he himself, that Kohen, becomes Tomei, ritually impure to the evening. So the very ingredients that provide purification for the one who became Tomei, the one who administers, he himself becomes impure. Said the wise King Solomon in the book of Koheles, Omarti Achkama, I thought I could understand all of Torah, all of the Chukim, and this is beyond me. You have as well in Parshas Chukas, the passing of Miriam, the incident of Memeriva, Moshe hitting the rock as opposed to speaking to the rock. Hence, he and his brother Aaron do not enter and lead the people into the land of Israel. You have the passing of Aaron. We are in a transition going from the beginning of the time in the book of Bamidbar to the end of the time because the parsha ends with the war against Sichon and Og. I'd like to focus on the very beginning of the parsha and to note that possibly if any of us were called upon to edit the Torah, perhaps we would have changed but one word. Namely, in the second verse of the Torah, the verse begins, Zos Chukas HaTorah. This is the decree of the Torah. Now we know there are three categories of laws. There are what we call Mishpatim, laws that are logical, that man on his own would include in his own constitution. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. These are called Mishpatim. And then there are mitzvos, whereby a constitution 
national committee would never have included them, but the Torah not only includes it, but tells us why. So on the night of our celebration of our national freedom from Egypt, on that night the Torah says, Bo'erev tochlu matzos, you are to eat matzah, and the Torah gives us a reason for the eating of the matzah. So this is called a mitzvah. The Torah tells us that for seven days we are to sit in Sukkot, and the Torah gives us a reason. So this is not a law of a chok without a reason, and it's not a logical law, but it's a mitzvah, namely a law that God gives us with our understanding. So too, the mitzvah of tefillin, etc. Then there's the chok. The chok is a law whereby the Torah does not give us a rational understanding thereof. So, the fact that you cannot wear a garment of shatnes, wool and linen, speak to your local dermatologist and ask him how many cases of rash due to shatnes has he seen. And the answer is, you know, there are none. So why is it? The Torah tells me so. And how is it that we take on Yom Kippur, the Kohen Godol, has two goats, and he has a lottery. One goat is going to go be slaughtered and its blood sprinkled in the Holy of Holies. And the second one is going to be sent out of the camp, way into the desert. And there it's going to be sent down a cliff and dismembered. And on that goat go the sins of the Jewish nation known as the scapegoat. This is clearly a chok, a law without our understanding. The quintessential chok is that which we alluded to before, the red heifer, which in of itself has the capacity to remove impurity. Why is that? That's a chok. But most important, as we pointed out, the one who administers the purification, he himself becomes impure. So now, what would it have been so bad had the Torah introduced this law by Zos Chukas Hapara? This is the law of the red heifer. Because after all, the Torah knows how to use that expression at the end of Parsha's bow, at the end of chapter 12, when the Torah is giving us the summation of many of the laws of the Korban Pesach, there in chapter 12, verse 43, the Torah says Zos Chukas HaPesach. So just as as the Torah says there, this is the law of Pesach, so too the Torah could have said over here Zos Chukas HaPara and nobody would have said, ah, oh, it should have said Zos Chukas HaTorah I'd like to suggest an answer, and I believe this answer is a very powerful one, and that is as follows the Torah is teaching us that in reality all of Torah all of the 613 mitzvos are and contain an element of chok. Those chukas, these are the chukim, the laws which we can understand of the Torah, namely of the entire 613. Now it's clear in some that I've enumerated before that they are completely a chok. Others, even those that are mishpatim, even those that are laws and logical, I'd like to strongly suggest, and those that are mitzvot, every mitzvah in the Torah contains an element of chok. And indeed, I'd suggest that tonight at your Shabbos table, discuss this. Where do you see the chok in Kibur Av? 
I'm going to suggest a possibility. The fact that I have to honor a parent, that is questionable. We understand according to the Chinuch, it is HaKoras HaTov. For what my parents did for me, I have to honor them. But one could very well ask, excuse me, did I ask to be born? Okay, but beyond that, how do we understand the obligation of honoring a parent? Is it a shibud? Is it an obligation? Like I owe to another individual. And let's say I borrowed a thousand dollars from somebody. And that somebody then goes and wins the lottery. He's got so much money, doesn't know what to do with, comes back to me and says, you didn't. You know what? I forego. I am mochel the thousand dollars. Good. Then he no longer has a right to this money. A week later, he comes back, he says, look, all the money that I won in the lottery, I blew. Unfortunately, can I please have my thousand dollars back? The answer is, I don't owe him a penny. He was mochel. He foregoed the loan. Well, what if a father or mother says to their child, I am mochel the keyboard. I forego. You don't have to honor me. I don't want your keyboard. They said this today. Can they change their mind next week, next year? So that's a very interesting question. And there are two opinions on this. And the opinion that says that they can change their mind is because this is different than a regular monetary obligation. This is an obligation set in by God. And therefore, today they have the right to say, I don't want it. But tomorrow, that obligation is still there because it is of a divine nature. I'd like to share with you a very interesting Rav Pincus in his Teferis Shimshon on the book of Shmos. He says this on the mitzvah of HaChuresh HaZelochem, that the Jewish calendar, which is the first mitzvah given to the Jewish people as a people in Egypt. So Rashi tells us, as we know in Bereshis, first Rashi, that the Torah should have started with this mitzvah. And what is the last mitzvah? According to the Rambam, the last mitzvah is that of Hakel found in Parshas Vayelech that every seven years on the Chol HaMoed of Sukkot the Jewish king reads the Torah to the nation. So he says take a look at the first mitzvah take a look at the last mitzvah and watch this there's a very fascinating element of Chok within these mitzvahs and nobody would say that these two mitzvahs are really Chukim but watch the Jewish calendar we know is based upon the moon it's a lunar calendar. Now we know that the moon renews itself every 29 and a half days. But we don't simply work with this calculation. Rather, we insist that two witnesses come to the court saying that they saw the um, new moon on the previous night on what would be day 30. There's no such thing as a half a day. So what would be day 30? If two witnesses don't come, the weather was bad, whatever the reason, then automatically that month becomes a mole, a full month, and day 31 is going to become day 1, the next month. I, the Sanhedrin, knew exactly when the new moon was, where it was in the sky. When the witnesses come, they interview them, and they interrogate them. So why do I need the witnesses and their testimony in the first place? And the answer is, it's a chok. God wants it. It doesn't have to make sense to us. You can suggest He wants our participation. Beautiful, beautiful. But after all is said and done, it's a lunar calendar with man. That element is a chok. 
And let's take the last mitzvah, according to the Rambam. The last mitzvah is every seven years, you're to come to the Beis HaMikdash, the king is going to read the book of Devarim to the people. Who's to come? Men are to come. Wonderful. Women are to come, even though that's an exception to the rule. It's a positive mitzvah governed by time. And then the Torah says, who else do you bring? Nashim, Anoshim, Nashim v'taf. Bring the children. We're talking about not just children in grade school. We're talking about bringing babies. Excuse me, why am I bringing the baby into the Beis HaMikdash? Now, no matter how you're going to slice it, the ooh, to subject the child to this incredible experience, which the Rambam says is a kind of recreation of Maimon Har Sinai. This is all very fascinating, but it is beyond our comprehension why you would bring babies to this ceremony. So the first thing that we're getting out of Zos Chukasa Torah is that really every mitzvah contains within it an element of Chok. Every mitzvah infuses Kedusha in our lives, those which we think we understand and those which we don't understand, as I call the onion in theory, there are so many levels and layers to the Torah. I'd like to suggest in closing another explanation to Zos Chukas HaTorah. The Magen Avram in Simon 580 paragraph 9 tells us that today is the ninth of Tammuz, is a Tanis Sadikim in the year 5004, 1224, in France 24 cartloads, wagons of Sfarim, Gemaras and other holy books were publicly burnt on this day. And to commemorate this tragedy, we fast, but interestingly, not on the day that it occurred. It occurred on the 9th of Tammuz. So I would have thought that every year on the 9th of Tammuz, and this year, it just so happens, today is the 9th of Tammuz, Erev, Shabbos, Parshas, Chukas. But they made it that it goes with the Parsha. The Friday before the reading of Parshas, Chukas, that's when they fasted. Why? The Targum, Unkulis, on Zos Chukas HaTorah is Da. Xeras Orisa. What does that mean? This is the destruction of the Torah. It alludes to the fact that this tragedy would occur. Now this points out the Sum Derech Reb Simcha Ziskind Brody the late Mashkiach in Yeshivat Chevron a very interesting idea. Torah creates a reality. Namely, in Parshas Baaloscha, Vahibin Soa Haron, the Gemara tells us in Shabbos 115b, is in the wrong place. It was put there to separate between two other tragedies, that there shouldn't be three tragedies in a row. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says, amazing, if he wouldn't say it, and if this wasn't in the Gemara, nobody would have the chutzpah to say this, that in the future, these two verses will be moved 
back where they belong to Parshas Bamidbar, where the Torah is talking about the traveling of the Jewish people. In the future when Mashiach comes, we get out of shul a minute later on Parshas Bamidbar, a minute earlier in Parshas Baloscho, because these two psukim are going to be moved. Why are they here? To differentiate and to separate between two and not have three Puranos, three bad things in a row. They're, they're running away from Harsinai like a child running out of school. They're complaining about the quick traveling to Eretz Yisrael, which God did to hasten their trip, to bring them to something good, and finally complaining about the Mun. Three in a row would create, God forbid, a state of Puranus, a state of tragedy. Amazing. The Torah is not just a book of constitution. It's not just our history. But the Torah creates reality. Amazing. Histakel Ba'oraisa. The Zohar tells us God looked into the Torah. Ubara Almon, he created the world, is to be taken very, very literally. And therefore, another very positive interpretation of Zoschukas HaTorah is this idea of in the Torah itself it was Merames. And now I'll conclude with the fact that we have the Para Aduma, which is that we accept death, we accept that this is the process of purification from death, the Paraduma accepts us, or helps us accept the other challenges of life, personal tragedies, communal tragedies, including the burning of 24 wagon full of svarim, prior to the time of printing, how precious every Haggadah was, how precious every Gemara was, how precious every Chumash was. This was such a devastating blow, hinted at in the Torah. Lekamidi, Deloramiza Ba'oraisa, there's nothing that is not found in our Torah. It's just up to us to find it and to continue observing it and hallow it in great respect. Shabbat Shalom to all.